In just a second, I'm, I'm going to read from a story. It's in John chapter 11. And if you prefer to get your own Bible out and follow along, you can do that right now, John chapter 11. Today we're starting a new series, and I want to thank Pastor Adam for inviting me to, to open the series with this uh, message this morning. You've, you've heard him say many times that the purpose of our church is threefold. Uh, number one, lost people found, found people free, free people empowered. That's what we do. That's, we all, we all kind of participate toward that end, that goal. That's what we try to do here at, at New Hope. So I'm going to begin by, we're, we're going to talk about this over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to talk today about lost people found. What does the Bible say about that being our purpose? We should be looking for lost people yes. and help them get found. Yes. That's our, that's our purpose. So when a lost person comes to New Hope for the first time, and they have their that baggage, you know, they're messed up from their life of sin. We've got to embrace them. We 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 can't hold our nose and say, I don't, "We don't want you here." This is our purpose. This is this is why Jesus went to the cross, not so we can polish our halo and look good, so we can reach out to people who are lost and help them get found. In uh, in Luke chapter fifteen, there are. Three, a series of three different parables, all in that one um, uh, chapter that talks about lost things being found. There's the the hundred sheep and one got lost. There's the nine silver coins or ten silver coins and one got lost. Then there were the two sons, and really, if you pay attention, they were both lost. But it's a story of one one son getting found. We call him the prodigal son. That's really what Jesus is all about. So if we're going to be in Christ, we have to be about what he's about. We need to be focusing on helping the, the lost get found. But this morning, I want us to look at this story in John chapter 11. This is the story we're going to unpack today. Uh, John chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. Remember that word, because we're going to come back to that word. I want That's a key word I want us to pull out of the story. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, there's that word again, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. There's that word again. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness, there it is again, will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. That word sick was found five times in those six verses. The Greek word translated sick is astheno, astheneo, excuse me, left the syllable out, astheneo, and it means weakness. And it's used in different contexts, it's not always sick. As a matter of fact, ten times it's translated sick, 
12 times it's translated weak, which is really what that word estheno, estheneo means. It's used, that word, that Greek word is used 35 times in the New Testament. So it's a major theme in the new, the new covenant. It means weak, without strength, or powerless. I want to give you four examples from the Gospels where that word is used. The first one is in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, where Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples. He says, heal the sick. There's that word, estheneo. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Here's what he's, here's that word in Mark, Mark chapter 6, verses 56. It says, wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick, there's that word, the sick in the marketplaces, and begged him that they might, that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. Here's here's a, a verse where that word is used in Luke chapter 4 verse 40. After the sun had set, people with all kinds of diseases, there's that word again, that Greek word, were brought to, to Jesus. He put his hands on each one of them and healed them. And in the Gospel of John chapter 5, it says, Sir, the invalid replied, there's that word, invalid. That's that's estheneo. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So we see that this word has is a is is used in all four gospels. It's a major theme in the Bible. So I want to talk a little bit about being sick, being weak. Because it's not always related to the, your physical needs. Sometimes you can have other things that are sick. Did you know that? That's right. As a matter of fact, if I, if I know the odds well enough, I know there's a number of people right here this morning sitting in these seats that have a sick marriage. You remembered when it was, you remember when it was great. And it's not great anymore. What happened? What, what died? What sickness? What, Dis-ease has come into your marriage. I should say our marriage because we're all in the same thing. Opposites are attracted to each other and then our troubles begin. We have to figure out how do we become winners? If this is God's design for us, how do we win in this? Or perhaps you have a sick pocketbook. You just can't make ends meet. There's just never enough money. As soon as God finally blesses you with some money, it's right out the door fixing something, replacing something, repairing something. Broken pocketbook. God wants to show us how to have a healthy pocketbook or a sick dream. You had a dream for a long time. You've worked toward a goal. That's your dream. You're working toward that dream. And right now, it doesn't look like that dream's ever going to come together. It's sick. It's weak. It's weakness. Estheneo. Dream. God wants to put our dream back together. Yes. In some cases, he just wants us to get a new dream. Because he's got a better plan than we ever had. Come on. Come on. Did you know you can have a sick soul? 
Listen to Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Paul says, welcome all the Lord's believers, all the Lord's followers, even those whose faith is weak. Weak, S-N-L. Don't criticize them for having beliefs that are different from yours. It's a weak faith that says, you have to believe what I believe. We're all on the spiritual journey, and we're all going different directions toward that end goal. And some of us are taking some bad, making bad decisions, taking wrong turns, but God's redirecting us each, all the time, all along, helping us to get where He wants us to go. So let's be patient with each other, even with people whose faith is weak. You can also have sick faith. Did you know that? 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 10, Paul says, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. There's that word. In insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, estheneo, when I am weak, then I am strong. Makes my faith grow when I go through tests. Difficulties. This making sense? So let's get back to our story in John chapter 11. <clears throat> I'm going to pick up the story in verse 38. It says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. The King James says, he stinketh. You, you know you know what a decaying body smells like. It's not pleasant. Nobody wants to be around it. Let's go on. For he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. There's more to the story, but I want us to stop right there because the thing I want us to see is, is the dead man came out of the tomb. This is a word picture. The Bible is not a textbook. It's the word of God. And God's trying to speak to us words of life. He's trying to speak to us hope. He's trying to speak to us positive things. He wants us to see how this works in the spiritual realm. So not only does he tell parables to make uh, deep spiritual truth simple, it's also acted out in his life. This whole story of Lazarus being resurrected, he's going to turn around and die again, you know. It's not talking about him getting eternal life right now at this point. He's going to die again. It's a picture of the resurrection. It's a picture of being born again. 
It's a picture of spiritual birth. It's a picture of spiritual life. That coming out of the dead. He came out of the tomb. Pastor Adams is going to talk more about this next week. But I want to talk a little bit. Look at the time. I'm doing okay. I want to talk a little bit about overcoming your sickness. Whatever that weakness is. Whatever that estheneo is in your life. How to overcome it. And we need to understand, we need to see the big picture so you can see the progress. So I'm going to give you six principles of coming out of your sickness. Number one, you have to recognize sickness comes from sin. All kinds of weakness comes from sin. God didn't create Adam and Eve and put them in that beautiful environment in the Garden of Eden with problems. Problems came when they disobeyed. And sin fell on planet earth. So we're not talking about some sin some person did. We're not talking about a sin that Lazarus did. He was a good friend of Jesus. I'm, it didn't take very long for Jesus to set him straight, I'm sure. But the, it's this principle of sin. We live in a fallen world. Things aren't the way they ought to be. Not the way God created them. Satan is the God of this world. Have you experienced that yet? If we have any blessings in our life, it's because God's favors in our life. Not because we've been so good. It's God's amazing grace at work in our life. Sickness comes from sin. It's because we live on a fallen planet. Number two, sin leads to death. That's why everybody on the planet is sooner or later going to die. People are going to go to your funeral someday if Jesus doesn't come back. The wages of sin is death. Jesus said that. So we live in a sinful planet. You don't have to do sin for death to work in you. It's because we live here. Step three. Our sickness needs to die. Jesus could have went and healed Lazarus. Why didn't he do that? Why did he intentionally delay going? Because he wants to glorify God. Well, wouldn't healing this sick man, wouldn't that glorify God? Sure it would. But Jesus wants to do an even greater glorifying work. Even greater than that. So he dilly-dallied. He delayed. He didn't, he wasn't in a big hurry. Eventually got there, and Lazarus was already dead. Jesus, if you had just been here, wouldn't this wouldn't have happened. Jesus cared. He comforted. It's in that context, that famous verse, Jesus wept, is found. Loaded with truth, Jesus wept. Our sickness needs to die. Either you have to die for your sin... Or somebody else is going to have to die for you. I can't die for your sin. Because I got my own needs paid for. Only someone who had no sin could pay for my sin. That's Jesus. That's where he steps into the picture. Step four. Sin stinks. When it played itself out in Lazarus' life... 
and they put him in a tomb, laid there for four days, everybody shed tears, everybody was sad, everybody came to the conclusion, it is over for Lazarus. Sin has to die, and sin stinks. Death stinks. When we have sin in our life that we haven't put on the cross, it stinks. The Old Testament says it is a stench in the nostrils of God. But when a sacrifice is offered, it becomes a sweet smell. Sweet fragrance in God's nostrils. He loves sacrifice. He loves to see us make sacrifices along the way for him. Not for ourselves, but for him. He loves that. Sin stinks. Here's the fifth thing. You need to come out of that tomb. You need to get out of that grave. The tomb is where we put stink to keep it away from us. Because we don't want to smell it. Stinks. Sin stinks. When somebody comes to our church that's still living in their sin, it stinks. That's why sometimes we're repulsed by certain people. Because they don't have things right with God. Come on. It makes us feel uncomfortable. But what's the purpose of the church? Right. Lost people found. There you go. Come on. We have to go after the stink. You getting what I'm saying? You and I need to come out of the tomb. We need to help other people get out of their tomb. Need to get out of there. Here's number six. This whole thing is a word picture of being born again. What is being born again? Start going to church? No. Going to church is a thing every born-again person ought to do because it's community. It's fellowship. It's where we hang out, where we encourage one another. It's where we do this ministering to one another. That's important that we do that. But this is a word picture. The whole Bible is a word picture for us. God's trying to communicate his dream for us, his passion for us, his purpose for us. In this picture of Lazarus being raised from the dead. When I accepted Christ as my Savior, I was raised from the dead. Amen. I, I didn't have it all together. Had a long way to go. Had a lot of things I had to relearn. A lot of things I had to stumble through. Just like you, we're all on this journey together. I, I love I love the book that... Um, I'm trying to remember who it was. I don't remember. Some some book writer, some famous pastor wrote a book called Three Steps Forward, Two Steps Back. Chuck Swindle. Three Steps Forward, Two Steps Back. That's that's how we make that's how we advance. I wish it'd be one big leap and I could stay over there, but it doesn't work that way in reality. So we tell people that, we discourage them, we take away their faith, we take away their hope when they have tough times. Tough time is what makes us grow. It's the weakness right. where Christ becomes strong. Yes. Amen. So we here at New Hope, we don't merely tolerate people.
whose lives stink. Come on. We go after them. Yes. We search them out. Now, this, I hope you don't feel like I'm talking about you. But when somebody comes into our church that looks like a misfit, I don't know anything about their life. But, you know, people who have part of their life messed up, typically there's other parts messed up. When I see people that kind of look like they're misfits, like they don't fit, I'm, I'm just attracted to that person. Because my purpose is to help them get out of the tomb. It's in the, that, in the tomb, that's where the stink is. I want them to get out of there. I don't want them to stay where they are. I'm not going to love them and then help them stay there. I want to love them out of there. Better life. That's what we as a church should do. We should look for people whose lives stink and not be afraid of them because that's when the power of God's released. Don't be afraid to, of approaching them. Got a, saw this commercial on television. <laughs> My wife and I are of the age that we're not really interested in these new television programs Hollywood's producing, trying to deceive us and make me think that perversion is normal. Not even interested. So, so if we're going to watch a TV show, we want to watch an oldie, you know. Perry Mason. <laughs> Who is that? Who is that? That becomes guy becomes famous later. Who was it? We like to watch those older shows. And when you watch those older shows, it's usually on on a channel focused on old people. You know, you know what I mean? And so the advertisers are always advertising health insurance, sir. Something for the old folks. We were watching commercials, and this this commercial came on about this deodorant powder you could buy. You could put this powder on, takes away the stink. And my wife was talking about some with some lady that was not even in our church, and she was. We were. I, I pointed out and made a joke out of that commercial, and she said she was talking with this lady, and this lady says, "Well, I, I use that." I don't have to take a bath for three days. <laughs> Come on, lady, take a bath. <laughs> what are we trying to do? Trying to cover up the stink. Come on. Come on, Stinking thinking is thinking we can cover up the stink and nobody's going to notice. Doesn't work that way. You got to deal with the stink. Wash your sins away. Get that taken care of. Get out of the tomb. Take care of the stink. Baptism is symbolic of Jesus washing our sins away. I remember when I was 12 years old, my mom said I should go talk to the preacher. Well, I knew what she was saying. You know, you get baptized, that's how you get saved. That's what we believed in our church. So she wanted to encourage me to go talk to the preacher. So I rode my bike down to the parsonage and met with the minister. And he, I don't remember all he said to me, but the only thing I remembered is he he said that I needed to wash my sins away. 
And I, I, I understood what that meant. He wanted me to be baptized. So I agreed to be baptized. I was 12 years old, didn't know Jesus, but I wanted my sins washed away. So I was baptized. I want you to know it did not change my life. When I accepted Jesus as my Savior, later, that changed my life. Baptism doesn't wash your sins away. The blood of Jesus washes your sins away. You've got to embrace the reality of that. So if you've not been baptized, it is a public statement that you make for your brothers and sisters that you have been born again, that Christ is your Savior, and you want to die with Christ be buried with him and be resurrected to new life. It's a public statement that you're making. But it's the blood of Jesus that washes your sins away. Remember that. And it takes all the stink away. Your life becomes a pleasant fragrance to God and to the people around you. People are attracted to that. You and I are attracted to that. We need to let Jesus do a new work in us. Let Jesus do that work. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for my brothers and sisters. That you would bring us all to a place. Everyone in this room, you would bring us to a place of laying it down at the cross. Accepting you and what you did for us. You're the substitute. You paid the price for sin that makes the stink. Father, we pray that you will heal our sickness, our weakness, and you will help us to take next steps toward you. So make us new. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope that you said that prayer, made you open your heart to Jesus. Now let's stand together because we, are, we need to celebrate what he did for us. Amen. We need to celebrate that.